Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Robert, that beautiful music tells us that the, the French are here and serving our coffee and our croissant. And uh, we're on pilgrimage in Lourdes. It's such a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, place here. It is. It's the only place, Deacon Jeff, I've ever seen a foie gras burger. I saw you were eating one of those. Uh, <laughs> you know, goose liver and, and hamburgers. Just, we don't do that in the States. Well, you know yeah. what the problem is? If I'm going to eat something like foie gras, knowing, uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, goose liver. Yeah. If I'm going <laughs> to eat goose liver, it better be on top of a big patty of meat, you know, with uh, cheese. That's right. And that was actually, actually very delicious. I enjoyed that. Uh, all that aside. We Great have a, topic today. Yeah, exactly right. You know, when we're when we're on pilgrimage, Robert, we need to have pilgrims, right? We the, the people make the pilgrimage. It's that's the correct. idea that we come uh, to a place like Lourdes and, and ask for healing. That's exactly right. And so we thought we would talk to um, a, a pilgrim. That's right, right. But also someone who's uh, in, involved in volunteering for the Order of Malta, uh, who is uh, sponsors this program, but also is very involved in. Uh, with help with the with the sick and the poor, and has a story to tell himself. Absolutely, we have a Dr. Uh, William McGarry uh, and a Bill. Right, we want yes. to go with Bill. So, um, Bill, where where are you from? I'm, I'm from Vera Beach, Florida. Vera Beach. Yeah, it's a little bit southeast of Orlando on Wonderful. the Atlantic coast. Great. So you just happened to find yourself here in Lourdes. Uh, yeah, with the long about route. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, let's talk about that route a little bit, and just maybe. Uh, um, so tell us your situation. Tell us uh, just so we get right right out with uh, what what was the diagnosis and, and what called called you to be here. Well, I, you know, growing up Catholic, I'd always heard about Lords, but um, four years ago, I self diagnosed myself with esophageal cancer. Self diagnosed? Mm. Are you a doctor? What uh, kind of doctor I, I, are you? I'm a, actually a cancer specialist. A oh, so you oncologist. know a lot about cancer. And I started having problems, so I convinced a friend of mine to do a test called an endoscopy, where they put you to sleep and then they um, take a fiber optic scope and they look in and unfortunately he found a fist-sized tumor at the bottom of my esophagus. Is oh that a pretty goodness. serious, con- it sounds serious. I mean, It, it is. Me. There's only about 15,000 cases a year in the United States and 14,000 of those patients um, will tend to be advanced and, and pass away. That's, that's obviously, uh, you know, and a man, um, you're an oncologist. I mean, you, you study this, you, you're trained in this. And you're usually, unfortunately, I know, I know, the bringer of the bad news, right? But to, to be to receive, yeah. And mine had already spread at the time of diagnosis. It was already in um, six lymph nodes, each about the size of a golf ball. And I can tell you, I learned quickly the old saying that ignorance is bliss. Oh my goodness! Because it would have been yeah. much better to not know the statistics and and. Well, let so me ask you a question though. How did, how did you know that there was something wrong? You said. That you convinced a, a, a fellow doctor to help you. I actually had very mild symptoms. All I had was reflux, and I had never had that before. Right. But I would do volunteer work in Haiti, and, and there's a, a portion of Port-au-Prince called City Soleil, and a group of doctors and friends of mine would go down there, and it was my turn to go down. So I had these symptoms of reflux, so of course I figured I must have an ulcer. Right. And I wasn't looking for cancer at the time. I was looking for an ulcer, so the cancer diagnosis was a surprise. And how was that delivered to you? I mean, what, I just, well, you know, I, and not that we want to. I think people want to know just like just to the the degree of your 
um, your situation, your feeling, and what, what you experience. Because a lot of people who are listening might be feeling or expressing the same thing and wonder if they're in the same boat or have been. Well, when I woke up from the procedure, my friend actually didn't have the heart to say it. He was kind of speechless, and he just showed me the pictures that he got at the endoscopy. Oh, that's very sad, but at the same and time, I understand. you would know what that means. I mean, yeah. So what kind of chances of living with the kind of cancer you had? If you were a doctor and you were looking at this, what would you tell the relatives of the patient? What are their chances of... Well, um, I would. I don't always go into specific numbers with my patients because it's not completely helpful because right. people aren't numbers. But um, at the stage that I was, uh, my chances of uh, living three years would have been about five percent. So this is a, uh, and now this was four years ago, right? Yes. And someone listening to this would say, "Well, wow, you know." That's uh, statistically, you're still within the margin of error, very, you know, five percent, which is like you wouldn't look at that. But I know that you have to have a sense that there's something else going on here. And um, at the time, I knew the treatment was brutal, so I have to give credit to my wife because my original plan was just to buy a plane ticket to Grand Cayman and scuba dive and drink beer until the end came. And uh, she said, "No, you're not going to do that. We we have young children. You're going to have to be an example to them of, of courage and faith." Well, you know, that's wonderful to have a wonderful wife, true. And, and, and when you're receiving a diagnosis like this, I mean, obviously, you know, we teach in our in our, our faith, you know, about this, this one flesh relationship. So then, you know, and St. Paul talks about when, when one suffers, we all suffer together. And so to have that one flesh, to have that wife to, to fall back on, how did, how did she respond to all this? I know it had to be devastating. Well, um, one of the first things she did, she called a family friend who was also our parish priest. And uh, he came over with a bottle of Lord's water. Oh, and, um, interesting. Fortunately for me, he didn't tell me how old that bottle of oh. was. Um, but, but he sat down and refused to leave until I drank it in front of him. <laughs> wow. So he obviously had a lot of faith. Yes. Uh, and uh, I know he's a priest, and we all say, well, priests have to have faith, don't they? And even priests might struggle. But, but there's sometimes there's these, these priests that, you know, there's something special going on. Well, and he wanted to make sure you drank that Lourdes water. Uh, he did. And so he, um, now I'm going to. Give a little shout-out to us, Dr. Uh, Father Trefam. He's here with us on this program this year, actually. Wonderful. Yeah, but, I, I um, met him. He's yes. a great guy. But uh, he uh, you know, went about with the praying and the healing, and then I went about with my medical treatments. And, again, the chances of these medical treatments, are, it's a very slim chance. Is that, uh, I mean, is uh, it of, of so having a, a great response, yes. What was, uh, do we have statistics on that, or is that hard to... Uh, I, I, well, at the stage in the tissue type I was, my tissue type was actually very unusual. Um, the st- statistics were actually very poor. And even with treatment? Uh, even, even with treatment. Okay. So, but, you know, receiving this, and you know, you drank the, the holy water. Did you have any sense that that holy water from Lourdes was really just, did it at the time strike you as something particularly deeply spiritual and potentially healing, or did it strike you as like a really nice priest? You know, the, Father Tree wants to make again. sure that he's giving you a little blessing and I, I, that he's praying for you. It, I just wonder if you're... It, it, it struck me more as just a very nice priest. Right. And, and that's good. Uh, certainly, especially with your medical background, you would... You would um, you know, scientifically can sometimes discount I mean, things like wa- water as a treatment. Like tap water is probably not in the regimen, right, for a cancer treatment. I mean, right? you know, yeah, no. Exactly right. Well, I guess my but, point is, though, that the fact that you would, uh, um, you know, receive this 
from a from this priest. I, I kind of want to ask, what, what was your faith life like at that point in your well, life? Well, I mean, we've always been religious and spiritual. I right. mean, we, we would attend mass. And, You're good, and good pray Catholics. Daily. You showed up every uh, Sunday. Every Sunday. Yeah, awesome. every Sunday. And you pray daily. That's good. Um, we, we pray daily. Yes. Well, only once a day, but at the time, but we pray daily. Right. Well, but but you, no one in your house was like levitating or uh, no. any of that <laughs> kind of stuff. So there weren't any like super uh, holy uh, no. folks. Average folks going through average life. Yes. Uh, and that's neat. Now, w- w- when Father Tree gave you the holy water, did he did he say, this holy water is going to cure you? What, what, how did that happen? N- no. He just said that um, if you have faith in God, everything will be all right. Now, see, that's brilliant right there. Because a lot of people don't realize. And a lot of folks will actually, they may even come to Lourdes and they're, and they're looking for specifically that physical healing. And we, and we all do. But a lot of people... You know, don't realize that maybe the way to, um, that God wants you just to pray, uh, to, to have faith, right? And it may not work out the way that we want it to work out. You know, and sometimes God does miraculous things, as, you know, we know. And for those, if you went to Mass every Sunday, you would see a miracle upon that altar every single Sunday, right? So we know exactly. that miracles exist. Uh, but at the, at the time, did you have a sense that anything in your life was going to be different? No, at the time, I was in a sense of abject fear. Uh, would be the best way to describe yeah, it. I, yeah, I, I knew the say, statistics, and not only did I know the statistics, I knew the treatment and the side effects I was going to have from treatment. Yeah. And so uh, it was very hard to not get away from what I knew medically. And it is kind of funny, Bill, if you think, not funny, that's not the right word, but if you think about it, here, you're an oncologist, you've got a, da- a, a diagnosis of cancer. And there's a priest that's insisting, here, you need to drink this water from Lourdes, that from, from the, the grotto at Lourdes, and I'm not leaving until you drink this, and then trust that with God it'll be okay. Yes. Uh, that, just, that, that image of that, that, that persistent faith, I mean, that must have been an interesting experience for you. Um, you know, just thinking about that, I think that's interesting, Deacon Jeff. Now, did it stop there? I mean, you did your medical treatments. Did you, did you then? Well, the medical treatments were actually... Um, pretty severe. Um, yeah. I was in good shape physically other than having cancer at the time. Right. So uh, when I talked with my old professors in, in training, we designed a treatment program which I would have very high doses of chemotherapy. And I got very ill from it. And after the first treatment, I had talked to my wife and said, you know, I don't want to do this. It's, it's not worth it. You know, it never works. And I said, before I do another treatment, I'm going to do a CAT scan. So I actually ordered a CAT scan on myself. And amazingly, that, you know, fist-sized mass was gone. Should that have been gone? No, that's really an unusually good response. And the tumor just melted away with the first chemotherapy. That is just absolutely amazing. Now, I know you're not necessarily sitting here and saying you're cured. But you know something has happened or is happening. Well, I've been very blessed because um, even since going through all the treatments, I've been able to go back to work and my profession is saving lives so there are i mean i I could count hundreds of people whose lives i've saved in the two years that i've been back to work doing what i do as a profession do you have any cancer now when you run scans is there any sign of the cancer uh, Um, it's been a while since i've run scans it's uh, my odds are i've improved much better in my favor so I only do scans once a year now. So it's been about nine months. So the last nine months, I, I've been off of treatments completely for three years. And have the scans showed any sign of cancer? No. 
That's amazing. And um, have you sort of like felt the weight of that and to realize the profundity of just that particular diagnosis and our, and, um, that, and, then, and now this sort of semi-improved prognosis? Uh, well, yeah, because I feel like now... You know, I better make good time in my life. I mean, I, I, now, I see, would say yeah. for a reason. I, I wasn't going to tell you to say that, but uh. I was wondering if that's if you've if you've come to that on your own, and, and that's what we want to talk about. We're going to take a break first, but when we come back, I want to talk about. Okay, so God's given you this chance, and what are you going to do with it? So we'll talk about that in a second. Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Tell me your story. Tell me what's going on in your life. Send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, you want to hear the rest of the story. We'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. These words of scripture brought one of the greatest sinners of his day to total conversion. This man was St. Augustine of Hippo. He has shaped our understanding of the Catholic faith for over a thousand years. St. Augustine was born in the year 354 in the Roman province of Numidia, Africa, to St. Monica and his pagan father, Patricius. He was raised in the Christian faith, but fell away as he studied at the university near his home. Though he abandoned the faith, he was a serious student of philosophy. Much like a modern student, he committed himself to many philosophical teachings and spiritual fads, but found none of them to provide any lasting fulfillment. St. Augustine sought comfort in the so-called good things of this world. He lived with his mistress for over 15 years. He enjoyed the bloody Roman games of the time and lived an all-around reckless life. By his own admission, he knew there was much more to life than earthly fulfillment. St. Augustine is famous for saying, Lord, make me pure, but not yet. During this time, his spiritual quest carried him through a career in teaching, which eventually brought him to Milan, Italy. Here he met St. Ambrose, who was a great saint and a philosophical giant. St. Augustine respected St. Ambrose, and he began to truly understand the faith. Still, even after all the intellectual understanding he gained, his conversion was a conversion of the heart. After being baptized, St. Augustine began to live as a monk and dedicated himself to the study of the scriptures. He lived with other like-minded men and eventually returned to Africa, where he became a priest and later the Bishop of Hippo. For the 35 years he served as bishop, he counseled many brother bishops, attended councils of the church, and wrote prolifically. His most famous works are Confessions and the City of God. St. Augustine is an example of someone who reformed his life and truly promoted the mission of the gospel with every fiber of his being. His writings are relevant to our own times and have guided many to a deeper faith in Christ Jesus. This great African saint's feast day is August 28th. He is a father and doctor of the church. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history.
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting here with Robert Hutton. And we're talking to Bill McGarry. He's a, an oncologist yes. who had a just remarkable experience just with a little sip of holy water from Lourdes and some medical treatments. We don't want to discount the fact that there were medical treats and, uh, treatments involved, but against very big, uh, t- terrible odds. Right, Bill? I mean, just yes. obviously. Now, um, at the time you received all this diagnosis and as this was sort of progressing, you got, you got kids at home? Yes, we, um, I have three children. Um, at the time, my youngest daughter was six years old. Right. Um, we had an 11-year-old and a 15-year-old. So this must have been uh, really probably real difficult on like the 15-year-old especially. But as the, even the younger ones kind of like, well, what's going on? And, it was. And then I know your wife and you probably think, well, how do we explain this? And what? It, it was difficult. I have to say we had a lot of help. All of our children are in Catholic school. And the, the priests and, and teachers at the school really rallied around them and, and gave them a lot of support. That is so awesome. Uh, and so neat to see that the community would come together in a time that's really desperate. Uh, f- for you guys, so now you've you you did all the treatments, and and then what happened next? Well, as the treatments were were progressing, it 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 ends with a surgery where you take out the area where the tumor was, and that medically gives you the best survival. Okay. Um, and so we'll trust you. You're an oncologist. Right. And so when when it, before then, though, um, I was actually invited to come as a Malad with the Order of Malta to Lourdes. And that's what we do here, Robert, right? These are, it's a pilgrimage. We, we, we the Order of Malta. Take the people that are sick and come here, and we're Bernadette uh, with the Blessed Mother Period Tour, and uh, there's a grotto, and people have gotten uh, cured. Right, there's old photos that they sell as yeah. little postcards. You know, right. you got this black and white picture of, uh, you know, the grotto, a little cave next to a river with hundreds of crutches hanging all around. <laughs> no, you know? people come and... So, and, 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 and uh, really it got its name just from the, or its, or its, its popularity. Obviously, the Blessed Mother, when there was here, but miracles started happening, and miraculous right. things started happening. And people and, started pilgrimage bringing pilgrimages and bringing the sick here to ask for um, the intercession of the Blessed Mother and for healing. And beautiful. And so, Bill, you, you started, I guess you sensed that Lourdes was a good place to go. Oh, to yeah, we had wanted to come. And I actually knew about the Order of Malta because with the missionary work I was doing in Haiti, they have a hospital um, in Haiti. So Caring was, for the sick there. Right. Yeah. I was already familiar with the order, so I was excited to go. But unfortunately, the surgeon who I wanted to do my surgery had called me and said, I can do it, but I can only do it on this day. And it was the day before the pilgrimage left. Oh. And it's a major surgery. I was in the ICU for several days and bedridden for, you know, five to six weeks afterwards. So there was no way I could have made the trip. So you you didn't. In 2012, you couldn't make the trip. Right. So I I called and I canceled. And um, time went on. I got stronger. I went back to work. Um, started going to Mass every day, saying the rosary three times a day, right. um, things like that. It's amazing how people get, I say amazing, but I'm, I guess I'm being facetious, but, you know, we get very faithful when we need to be, don't we? We start yes. to realize that uh, there's something we've got to be thinking about. Well, by this time, I had converted from praying for my health to praying for thanks because I didn't think I'd be alive to that point. You know, when I went under for the anesthesia, I didn't think I was going to wake up from the surgery. So, Bill, that's such an amazing testimony because, you know, so many people are, me included, are so used to praying for things we need, right? I want, I want, I want, please, Lord, I need this. Let me overcome this obstacle. Let that person, you know, get that out of my way. Help this happen. And then, but then you had the, I guess, the, the, the grace to, to say, hey, wait a second. Thank you so much. Right. But after that, some 
very improbable things started happening. Okay. Um, related to Lords, actually, and it, it, the people here when I when I mentioned it, um, they they call them the Godwinks, but there were some very very improbable things. So, last year, I was actually starting to feel fairly healthy and could travel again. And I talked with my wife, and I said, we need to do something special for our children. Let's go on a big trip. So we planned to go to the Vatican and renew our wedding vows. Wow. So we had actually set that trip up um, in March of, of last year. When I got a call out of the blue from the medical selection team from the Federal Association of the Order of Malta, and they were saying, we just wanted to check in and see how you were doing. And I told them, I'm doing fine. I'm back to work full time. I'm, you know, doing well. So they invited me to come again as I'm a lot. So, you know, I went to my wife and said, if you don't mind flying to Europe, you know, five weeks apart, you know, we, we, we can go to Lourdes. So, you know, we, we agreed. So we decided to go on to the trip. When we first went to Italy and we were waiting to pick up our tickets for the papal audience, you know, they greatly encourage you to go to confession. Right. So we went ahead and we, we got in line and we met another American family who had children the same age as ours. And we started talking, got to know them. But my phone wasn't working, so I had to get back to the hotel to call the priest to renew our wedding vows. So we said our goodbyes and left. A month later, we show up in Baltimore to board the plane. And they said, we want to introduce you to the sponsor for your trip to Lourdes. It was Dr. John Quinn. That was who we met in line. Wow. At the Vatican That's for confession. What a connection. <laughs> that is absolutely wonderful. So um, you came to Lourdes. Yes. Right? And uh, what was that experience like after having, you sampled the water, yes. albeit <laughs> it might have been old. I don't know how the old water Still good. Was. There's uh, no that, expiration that, date on Lourdes water. Was there in the middle of it? <laughs> no, I don't know. no, but I found out later that water was probably about a decade old. Oh, goodness gracious. It still works, well, it was though. Waiting, it was yeah. waiting on a, a miracle for you. But So what was it like to finally be here in the place, or the source you know, of that water? It, it, it is an amazing place. But it's amazing not just for the grotto. What, what really amazed me is you're surrounded by people from all over the world all praying, but because we're the universal church and our prayers are the same, even though everybody's in every language, every culture, every race, it all blends together. And um, one of my pullers on that day, uh, the people attending me, the, the knights, you know, leaned over to, to me and she said, you know, you say when we die, we go ahead and we just spend eternity praising God. And you're kind of like, what does that mean? Well, Lord's is it. Lord's is the taste of what heaven's going to be like. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. You know, you go to Rome and um, go to the Vatican, right? And you get a real good sense of the universal church, all these different languages, cultures, and all these things that come together in, into one big uh, universal church. You, you come to Lourdes, and I think you get a sense of like that universal grace, the universal uh, love of God, and the healing is really sort of the outpouring of that faith. And so you, you experience that. And, and I mean, did, at, did you really know at that point that, that this is really where all uh, where you, you think that, that healing might have come from or was a big strong factor in that? It was a very big strong factor for sure and it was a, an even stronger factor in giving me peace to be able to withstand the treatments. Um, if it wasn't for my faith I think I probably would have ended up in Grand Cayman drinking beer. And, and don't forget your wife. And my wife. <laughs> That's right. Um, and so now you, you've, you've come to Lourdes Yes. Right, and you've experienced. Now, it's interesting that, like I said, you, you don't claim that you've had a cure, but you know something special's happened, 
Yes. You know, there's sort of like a new lease on life, a, new, a clean slate, or do you get a sense that God's giving you some time here to, to do something different? And a sense of mission, because now I can see how important that going to Lourdes was for me and my wife and my family. And I, I was invited to join the medical selection team and, and to come on this pilgrimage as a volunteer. And I can tell you, on the very first day we, we met, we had dinner, and I was worried because we had all these applications of people to go. And I asked uh, the head of the medical selection team, I said, well, how do you decide? He said, don't worry, the Holy Mother will let you know who's being called. And sure <laughs> enough, as the team met and we interviewed everybody, and this is a team of doctors, we're trying to make sure they're healthy enough that they can go and things like that, it became very clear among the Malads. And actually, sometimes we invited people because we felt the companions needed to come here. And, Doctor, though, in hindsight, now seeing what you've experienced with the cancer knowing what you know as a cancer doctor about the success, of, you know, how likely or unlikely a success is, do you see the intervention of the Blessed Mother and where you are today? Oh, for, certainly. And actually my patients do too. Um, I, I had gone almost a year without practicing, so I had to rebuild from the start. But I actually, my practice just kind of exploded because people came to me. Do you keep holy water, Lourdes water in your uh, in, in office, your office? Yes, just we do <laughs> actually, and we have little bottles of it that we give out to our patients. Who, now the question are, is, does it have like this really uh, in, intensely long uh, medical uh, uh, or uh, disclaimer <laughs> thing? On yeah. the, you know, uh, like when you yeah. buy any kind of medication. Uh, actually, the most amazing thing about the Lourdes water is you bring one little bottle, but it seems to never run out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Uh, Well, I can tell you this. The the grace never runs out. And that's what you experienced. And how how has it changed your, your, I mean, your faith life? You were a pretty good Catholic before. Yeah, I I think I'm devoting more time to personal prayer. And and I'd say that's probably the biggest thing in terms of my faith life is that I I realize I have to have more of a personal relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so I, I actually take time out during the day. And have my alarm go off to do it. And, and I always start off with more traditional prayers because it gets you into a meditative type state. Right. You know, doctor, one thing I hear a lot of doctors say is, you know, when you treat someone in the States, it's very clinical and you're talking about diagnoses. But one thing about Lourdes is it brings a personal side of medicine. And I would bet from that experience that it helps you relate to your patients more as a person that's going through suffering because you've suffered with them. You know? It did. But I have to tell you something else. When I went last year, I'm reading the names of the doctors on the medical team and I'm recognizing them because these are actually famous physicians in academia and they're well known and they're part of the order of Malta and, and they're the going state. to Lourdes to ask for the blessed mother's help and these are very well known physicians I think Robert so many people think that the, the medical community is caught up in the whole science thing and there's many clinicians of, of various types uh, who have no faith and yet we don't always recognize that there are so many that do and recognize that the, the gift well of healing. Well respected right, doctors. That, exactly. That, that the gift of healing actually comes f- from God. I, I think you'd be surprised because even a number of my colleagues have asked me about it You know, when I've gone home. And a couple of them have told me that they've actually returned to going to church now. That is amazing. Of, of what a blessing to be part of God's... Uh, uh, plan of salvation for so many. Doctor, thank you so much for spending this time with us. It's a great story of faith and a great story of increased devotion in the Blessed Mother. And we should end our show, Robert, as we always do here in Lourdes with a, a prayer. To the uh, Blessed Mother. Yeah, yeah, and ask for her intercession. Can we do that? Oh, certainly. All right. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary. Full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.